0: Thank you. Um, Thank you so much, Katie, for um, just sharing something of your own uh, personal story. Well, today we are going to be continuing our preach series. We're going to be looking um, at the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. And in particular, we're going to be looking at being filled with the Spirit. So we're going to have a whole preach just on... How do we receive the Holy Spirit? And we've heard one account from Katie, what happened with her. But we're going to be looking um, at some other accounts in the Bible as well. And then the plan is at the end, um, before I shoot off to Bex Hill, we're going to have 10 minutes where I can be involved in leading. Uh, but to be quite honest, then I'll hand over to Paul um, and Lou and Alid. And uh, if necessary, we can go on um, a little bit longer. Um, we haven't done church news yet. We haven't taken the offering. We've decided to slide those to the back and uh, we, will, we will do them if we have time and capacity. By the way, I just love it um, hearing you guys praying. Um, just so, so good. Joe, well done for stepping out in faith and just bringing that tongue. And then, Ros, you bringing something with such clarity. And Al, you pouring out your heart. And Tony, you coming and praying. I love it. That's us, the church, the body of Christ, working together. That's, that's a little flavour, a little taster of, of something of what it should be. I can remember when I was 18 years old, I was away at a church camp, and a preacher called Don Smith was talking about being filled with the Holy Spirit. And uh, some people prayed for me at the end of the meeting that I'd be filled with the Spirit. And I did experience something um, of God moving um, upon me. It wasn't a particularly emotional experience for me, but I did sense him at work within me. But what I really noticed at the end of it and after it was two things. One, a boldness that I'd never had before, because before that point, I was the most timid person in the entire world. I had a badge. Do you mean that, that? That was me. I was so, so timid. There is no way you would get me talking in front of five people, let alone hundreds and hundreds of people, before the Holy Spirit came and baptised me, filled me um, again. And secondly, there was an area of sin in my life. I was 18 years old. My language was absolutely atrocious at college. It was brilliant at church, and it was atrocious at college. And, and I tried to stop because I knew it was wrong. Actually, I tried to stop because on one occasion at church... Um, this very dear old lady had done something that I didn't think was good, and I'd sworn at her, and I didn't know where it had come from. You know, that sheer embarrassment in church, this, this dear, dear old lady, and, um, and I thought, I've got to deal with this, It's is ridiculous. How can I worship God with my mouth, and then during the week, just, you know, potty mouth? Do you know what I mean? It's, how could that be the case? And I'd sort of try to work my way through it, um, When I was filled with the Spirit, when I was immersed in Him, something broke and I had to repent and I had to do some business with God, but but there was a new power in that particular area of my life. Now there's a provoking quote I just want to um, share with you, if my little dibber thing will work. Ah, It does. If the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what we would... um, of what we do would go on and no one would know the difference. If the Holy Spirit had been withdrawn from the New Testament church, 95% of what they did would stop and everyone would know the difference. Now, I don't know if you agree with that statement or not. I'm not certain whether you'd necessarily agree with the percentages. But it's a fearful reality if it's true. It's a fearful reality if it's true, isn't it? I mean, you, you might decide to be a bit kinder to us, maybe we're 20%, 80%. But what if it is true? And how does a church know if that is the case? Because I doubt any church ever looks and thinks, oh, God's no longer working there, look working with us, do they? Where are we at as a church? where are where are you at as an individual I want to start by asking a question from Acts chapter 19 this is a question for you personally take it home ponder it did you receive the spirit when you believed it's what the apostle Paul asked the church at Ephesus He, he 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 arrived there were 12 disciples there and he asked that question did you receive the spirit when you believed can you answer that question yourself do you know if you have received the Spirit? Well, hopefully by the end of the preach, you will. And we're going to use Acts chapter 8, verses 4 to 8 and 14 through to 17 to look at this whole subject of receiving the Spirit. Now, I may get enthusiastic. Um, I apologise if you find that tricky, but I can't. I Talking about this, I just can't help it. It's just how I'm wired. So, Acts chapter 8, verse 4. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria. This is on the back of the great persecution in Jerusalem. All the Christians get scattered out. And he starts proclaiming to them the Christ. And the crowds of one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip. When they heard him and saw the signs that he did for unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice came out of many who had them, and many who were paralysed or lame were healed, so there was much joy in that city. Moving it down a little bit. Now when the apostles at Jerusalem, so Dan you're going to have to flick down. Now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit for he had not yet fallen on any of them, he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptised in the name of the Lord Jesus. And they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. The apostles in Jerusalem hear that Samaria has received the word of God. They've responded to the Gospel. So they sent Peter and John down to do a bit of an Ofsted inspection, How's, how's it going? What does it, what does it look like? So, had they proclaimed Jesus Christ? Yes. Outstanding. They pass. Have people believed in Jesus? Have they got a faith in Jesus? Yes, they have. Have they been baptised in water? Yes. Outstanding. Is there joy in the city? Absolutely. Are there miracles? Yes. Yes. Are there there those that are practising the occult coming to know Jesus? Yes, they are outstanding, 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 outstanding. But there was something missing. Peter and John realised there was something missing from the church in Samaria. This group of believers had received the word of God. They'd been baptised as believers, but they hadn't received the Spirit. He hadn't fallen on any of them. Now, they were Christians. Peter and John don't doubt whether they're Christians or not, but they haven't received the Spirit yet. They hadn't been immersed. And Peter and John knew what it was to be immersed in the Spirit. They'd been in the church in Jerusalem, in Acts chapter 2, where the Holy Spirit fell on the 120. A bit later in Acts chapter 2, where 3,000 believe and they are filled with the Spirit. In Acts chapter 4 where the first bits of persecution start to occur and the church prays for boldness and it says the Holy Spirit fell on the church in Jerusalem and even the building shook because the Holy Spirit came in such power. Acts chapter 6 when they're looking to appoint deacons like leaders within the church and one of the qualifications is they must be someone who is full of the Holy Spirit. Acts 7 verse 55, where Stephen is about to be martyred, and Luke writes in Acts, he was full of the Holy Spirit. So these guys knew, they they could taste what it was to be a church full of the Spirit. The one who comes alongside us, the one who reminds us of Jesus' words, the one who convicts us of sin, His presence bringing peace, love, hope, confidence, and direction. All these things that Paul shared so brilliantly last week. The Holy Spirit makes a tangible difference to a Christian's life if you've been filled with Him, by Him. Peter and John knew something was missing. You see, when you're filled with the Spirit, it's seen, it's heard, it's experienced. When you're filled with the Spirit, it's conscious, it's obvious, it's visible. We mustn't settle for a Christianity or an understanding of the Spirit that, that, that just leaves it as something internal that, that you don't really know if it's happened or not. How, how could Paul have asked the church at Ephesus, did you receive the Spirit when you believed, if, if there was an expectation? Well, maybe they wouldn't know. He, he thought they should know. And this isn't just a first-generation Christian thing from 2,000 years ago. This is a promise for all believers of all times. Therefore, it includes you. Whether you're here in person in the Hastings venue, whether you're sat on your sofa at home, and you may feel as dead as a doornail, but the promise of the Spirit is for you as much as anyone that is gathered here. He's not limited by your living room. He's not limited by your kitchen. Wherever you're watching is not limited by those things. The promise is for all who believe. Now I started with that question, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Well, did you? Do you know? I'm not going to go around and ask everyone, but but how would you answer if if I were to ask, or the person next to you to say, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? How would you answer that question? Can you say, I know I've been baptised, I've been immersed, I've received, I've, sac- I've been saturated with the Holy Spirit. If the answer to this is no, you don't know, that's alright. We can pray for you at distance this morning. We can. We can pray for you, that's okay. But if you, if you said, no, I do know I received the Spirit. I do know I've been baptised in the Spirit. Can I ask you a second question? So, when were you last filled with the Spirit? Are you full of the Holy Spirit now? Let me ask you that question again. When did you last receive the Spirit? And are you full of the Holy Spirit now? In Ephesians 5, verses 18 and 19, it says this, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, that's sort of all sorts of unruly behaviour, but be filled with the Spirit. In actual fact, that should say go on being filled with the Spirit. Not, not as a one-off occasion that happened in 1995, but you could have been filled with the Holy Spirit this morning. He could have come and filled you as you were sitting in bed, maybe doing a bit of Bible reading or or, or flicking through um, the BBC News or social media, you could put it down and say, Holy Spirit, please come and fill me. Not one-off, but go on being filled. And it's interesting, he says, look, don't go out and get absolutely drunk. No, go on being filled with the Spirit. Why? Because there are similarities between getting drunk and being filled with the Spirit. There's a freedom and liberty that you experience when you're drunk. There is a freedom and liberty when you are filled with the Holy Spirit. There is a boldness when you are drunk. There is a boldness when you are filled with the Holy Spirit. It's interesting sometimes if you're watching the football at the moment, you watch a whole load of blokes who have drunk too much singing at the top of their voices and men don't sing. They certainly do if they've got a few beers in them. But... But actually, it says here, when we're filled with the Spirit, what happens? We sing out our praises to God, we give voice to God's goodness, there are similarities. But one is destructive and is a depressant, and the other is life-giving and liberating. And just in case you're not certain, obviously the drinking alcohol is a depressive, destructive thing. And it's not to say you can't have a drink. That's not what we're talking about here. But, but be filled with the Spirit, which is liberating and life-giving. And now, as I've said already, elsewhere in the New Testament, Acts chapter 6, the deacons were to be people full of the Spirit. So if you're a leader within the church right now, one of your first qualifications for leadership is to be someone full of the Holy Spirit. Stephen, before he was martyred, was full of the Spirit. Barnabas, this incredibly generous encourager, again mentioned in the book of Acts, was a man who was full of the Holy Spirit. It's not just about having been filled, but are you full? Are you full of the Holy Spirit? I've got a bucket of water here. Dan, come and have a look. Roz, come and have a look at this bucket of water. Who else do I want to pick on? Is there lots of water? Put your hand in it. Is it wet? It is, isn't it? Is it wet? Yeah. Brilliant. But I'm still looking for someone else to pick on. I'd really like. You guys got to stay within these lines to stay in shot. So, brilliant. <laughs> Baptism in the Spirit is not just like a bit of sprinkling, you know? Do you feel it? You can feel it a little bit, can't you? Yeah. It's not it's not just like that. You know, if you're like if you're like this sponge, you're not just meant to get a sprinkling at some point. You're certainly not meant to be um, totally dry. But you are meant to be You get a little one. A little modesty cloth. You're meant to be filled with the spirit. Aren't you? you you're, meant, you're meant to be covered. And, and if you come into contact with someone filled with the Spirit, you can feel it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh. but we are, aren't we? Sorry, I, I got Dan. Dan knew it was coming. We, we have this sort of relationship. But, but let's just pause for a second. Come on, what's your experience of being filled with the Spirit like? Is it, is it more like the sponge that gets a little sprinkling? You guys can sit down, thank you so much. Thank you, Dan. Are, are you more like the sponge that gets a sprinkling, like that? Or, or are you saturated? There's a good chance I'm going to get electrocuted, you know. <laughs> You know, which are you? Which are you? The promise of the Spirit. You know, if, if I come up to... Paul's looking worried. If I, if I come... Uh, no, no, no. That's why I'm coming this way. But, but, but Paul might not mention or notice... You know, a, you know, as a Christian, if you're not filled with the Spirit, you, you won't necessarily notice it. But if you're filled, if you're saturated... It leaves an imprint, sorry, Paul, but it does. Is your shoulder damp? Yeah. <laughs> so, how do you receive the Spirit? Well, In one instance, it's instantaneous with salvation. So when Peter turns up to Cornelius, with Cornelius, the Holy Spirit falls as the gospel is preached and they are filled. And Peter and the people with him know they've been filled with the Holy Spirit. In the instance that we just looked at, it says that Peter and John prayed that they might receive the Spirit and then laid hands on them and they then received the Spirit that way. In Luke chapter 11, we're told to pray for people, to be filled, to pray and ask God for good gifts and to ask God for the Holy Spirit. But I think a key ingredient all the way through is faith, is believing that the Holy Spirit is a gift for us. He's a gift for the church today. He's available today and he wants to fill you now faith is key for accessing the promises of God we need to believe and trust that the Holy Spirit wants to fill us now and as you do he will come Paul spoke out of John chapter 7 last week and he spoke about thirsting for God. Where, where is your thirst? Where is your thirst at for the things of God? Are you a little bit like this sponge in a wrapper? Are you feeling quite, quite self-satisfied? Quite may, may, maybe, maybe you're you're so busy that you never really think about being filled with the Spirit and knowing the work of the Spirit in your life. Maybe family or career takes so much of you that you, you, you don't have that chance. Maybe there's sin, that you know there's an ongoing sin and, and, and you know that that sort of protects you, covers you. It doesn't matter how much I dip the sponge in, you know, in a sense the sponge isn't thirsty. But are you, are you thirsty? Is there something you need to do even now as I'm speaking, where you're thinking, no, I, I know that maybe I've got wrong priorities. You know, we are all designed to thirst for God. You know, just as you're designed to thirst naturally for water, you are designed to thirst for God. The question is, is what do you give yourself to in satisfying that thirst? How are you satisfying that thirst? And if you fill yourself with other things, it will dull your sense, your desire for him. Come to me, Jesus said, all you who are thirsty, and streams of living water will flow from within you. If I can ask the band to come back up, please, that would be brilliant. Can I say, church, please don't accept a sprinkling? Please don't, please don't just say, oh, that's, the Holy Spirit is for the enthusiastic ones, not the quiet ones. If you are quiet here today, if you feel you are on the edge, if you feel that you have been forgotten, the person of the Holy Spirit would love to fill you right now. Because the promise is for all believers. Can I ask you to stand if you're able to? If you know there's an area in your life, and even as I was saying it, the Holy Spirit just like in vivid colour, just highlighted to you, oh, this could be a blockage to the Holy Spirit coming upon me. Just You've got 10 seconds just to sort it out, just to say, Lord, please forgive me for it. Please forgive me. let it's not to belittle it, but just to, to do that. Father, as an elder at this church, Lord, please would you forgive us. Please forgive me where I have replaced your work with my effort or our effort. Lord, if I'm honest, it's a bit scary leaving room for you to move because because I don't quite know what will happen. But I say, Holy Spirit, please would you come and fill us now. If we're believers in Jesus, the promise of the Spirit is for us. First, come to Jesus and ask. Reach out in faith. And he says he will fill us. Our experiences will be different. But I do totally believe that he wants to come and meet with us. Because the word of God says it's so. The Bible says it. So Holy Spirit, please will you come right now? Why don't you, in your own words, I know you've got your masks on, just invite the Holy Spirit to fill you. You might want to say, Lord, I don't just want a sprinkling, like on that sponge. I, I, I want to be immersed. I want to be dunked afresh. In you, streams of living water flowing from within.
1: Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit.
0: Spirit. Now, in the Bible, it talks about laying hands on people, like putting a hand. I come to Paul because we work closely together. I think it's all right. But and like, so laying hands with is like putting a hand on a shoulder. And what that is, it's talking about something that I've got, I'm giving to you. So there's anointing I've got and I'm giving to you. Now, I can't come and do that because the rules won't allow. But I think Holy Spirit is quite able to bypass our restrictions in that sense. So I'm going to put my hand out and you, you can reach out with your hands. And I pray, Holy Spirit, please. Right now, as though I were laying hands on people and Holy Spirit, that baptism, that immersion that I have received, I give to you. As we come to you, Jesus Christ, the Baptizer, the one ascended, sat at the right hand of the Father. So you say, Holy Spirit, would you come and fall now?
1: Now, why don't
0: we just start to speak out our worship to Jesus? If you've got the gift of tongues, heavenly language, you might want to use that. English, or maybe your native tongue, you want to speak out, just worship to Jesus. And as you do that, the Holy Spirit's going to grab hold in a sense of you speaking out and bring a fresh anointing. <laughs> Come speak it out. Start speak out. Just as if you're talking to your neighbor right now, they'd be able to hear you. That's all right. Don't need to be self conscious.
1: Say, Holy Spirit,
0: would you fall? Would you fill us? Again, streams of living water within. Calm Holy Spirit we look to you we are thirsty for you we're going to sing a song as an opportunity for us to respond keep speaking out
1: Shia Kiando to fala raya. Come Holy Spirit. It's here right now.
0: Here right now. Lord, I pray for peace for those that are really just lacking it. I pray for an empowering over sin. pray Lord God that you'd bring worship alive where it feels just dead and dry Holy Spirit pray for gifts of the Spirit to be distributed particularly for out in the marketplace we're looking for you to move I pray for those that have never would say if they're honest they have never received the spirit they don't they wouldn't know how to answer that question I pray right now Holy Spirit please would you come would you come and fill right now we pray for those at home I pray for an empowering in the workplace I ain't Becky Reed particularly I had you on my mind and I was thinking that that as a head teacher God is calling you to be one that is saturated in the Holy Spirit. In what your hands find to do, to not try to do it in our own strength but to do it under the grace and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Retirement is not something for us to do in our us for you to do it in your own strength, it is saying to be anointed in the Holy Spirit with his peace and his empowering and his grace flooding in. Maybe for, for those, and I say this carefully, for those maybe living alone, our Holy Spirit, you, I know you don't want us to do that on our own. We're, we're called to know you walking alongside When we wake and when we sleep, when we have our meals, when we're watching TV, Holy Spirit, you are with us and I pray for a fresh anointing of your spirit.